Welcome to an all-new episode of the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast. This is Corey Richmond, joined, as always, by Jason Brooks. Uh, just want to get out there. Uh, this is Sunday, Mother's Day. Want to wish everybody out there happy Mother's Day, and uh, especially to Jason and Mines and everyone else who listens to the broadcast. Jason, how you doing today? And... Um, I know we don't usually do this on Sunday, but we're going to bring the effort and the energy we always bring whatever day of the week we do it. Sure, yeah. Uh, happy Mother's Day. It's the reason why also you need to make sure you subscribe on iTunes at the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast um, because we do the podcast at you know odd times sometimes. Um, we, want to want, we want to wish all the mothers, uh, including our, our own, obviously, a very happy and uh, healthy Mother's Day. Very cool. Um, it's another crazy week in wrestling. We have guys getting hurt. We've got changes to main events. Uh, that little pesky product known as Global Force Wrestling actually appears to maybe mean something now. Um, uh, we got the E60 uh, WWE developmental program that aired last Tuesday on the ne- on not the network but the mothership for sports fans uh, ESPN. Stephanie and Dixie Carter both went on to podcasts over the last week or so, and we also have some news on Owen Hart. So we're going to try to get to that and a whole lot more on this week's episode. So, Jason, I guess we should start with uh, Raw from this Monday. And if you were watching, you know, the beginning of, I guess it looks like, hour number two, which uh, not so many people were watching compared to most weeks, but we had a little bit of a surprise. John Cena did his usual challenge for the U.S. title. Bret Hart came out, and Heath Slater did his little, you know, usual shtick, which some people are entertained by, some may not be. But uh, Bret Hart introduced the local hero, NXT standout, Sami Zayn. Uh, There's a lot of stuff we could talk about in regards to how good the match was, what this means of how, how close or far he might be coming to the roster, but the big news coming out of this was Sami Zayn hurt himself before he even got into the ring, an old an older injury, where he was pumping up the crowd. Uh, where do you want to start with Sami Zayn? Um, so the one thing about the Sami Zayn thing I didn't love, I would have loved for him to just, just come out, not have Bret Hart come out and introduce him and pump him up. I would have loved just Sami Zayn to have come out. He just says, my Mr. Opponent, I don't know who this is going to come out. And he just hear the music playing. I think the crowd would have went, I think he would have had a, a more explosive reaction from the crowd, in my opinion. Um, in terms of Sami Zayn getting hurt before he even got in the ring, pumping himself up. You know, this is a guy who's had some injury concerns um, over the last year or so. He's a guy who we saw Ring of Honor's El Generico really have some hellacious matches and put his body through quite a bit. You know, similar guys like Daniel Bryan and, and things like that. And the one thing you worry about with these older guys, in general, not that Sami Zayn's old, but he's put his body through a lot already, and he's 30, and you worry that he may be injury prone. Maybe he can't handle the WWE schedule. Maybe he's going to have injury concerns. I don't know. Um, it's something that I definitely worry about. Um, we've seen it with Daniel Bryan, obviously, is, is probably the, the biggest example um, we know CM Punk had some injury issues, um, you know, in his career. And we know it's wrestling, and guys get hurt, so that's, it is what it is. But um, 
and specifically with Sami Zayn, he's had some shoulder injuries over the last year or so. So you you know, hope for the best for him because the match was fantastic. Um, everybody, the crowd was really into it, um, and I think Sami Zayn has a chance to really get over with the crowd, not just in Montreal, and really have a future in WWE. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, I, the one thing I'll disagree with, and it's a small point, I think it really helped Sami Zayn, El Generico, whatever you want to call him, with Bret Hart being the legend that he is in Montreal. Well, why? I think they were it, already cheering. They were already going. So he, Sami Zayn hijacked the show. They were chanting for him the whole show. Why did they, even have, why did they need Bret Hart to come out there and help him? They literally were chanting for him the entire show. Why did they need Bret Hart to help? Why did they need Bret Hart to help him? Because I think for the average TV viewer who may not watch NXT and doesn't remember that he was there, you know, six, seven months ago in a tag team match promoting, you know, another NXT TakeOver appearance, that I think having a guy who is thought of by multiple generations of WWE, WWF fans as, you know, the standard bearer for in-ring action, besides Shawn Michaels, is Bret Hart. And I think that with Bret Hart giving you his stamp of approval, I think it means something. And I think it was just, I think it helped build up that moment. And I think the Heath Slater moment really worked where, you know, you thought that you've had, you know, last week he came out, last couple of weeks, we've been hinting that, you know, we're going to have this most likely silly gimmick type of match with Cena versus Seth, uh, you know, Heath Slater. And I think it really worked up to build up to that momentum. It gave, you know, Bret Hart a moment with taking out Heath Slater and then, you know, basically giving his seal of approval to, I'm, you know, the biggest guy most likely in Montreal wrestling history for the common fan is Bret Hart. And he basically went and said, I'm giving you the guy who I think is the next big thing, Sami Zayn. I think it really helped maybe the average fan go and say, if Brett gives a seal of approval, this guy really means something right off the bat. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, I, I'll agree to disagree there. I, I didn't think they needed that. Now, I think if Sammy, if they weren't chanting for him for the whole night, then you know maybe you'd be then then maybe I'd agree with you. But I mean, during the Rollins Ambrose match, they were chanting they were chanting for him. I mean, the average fan would have heard them chanting for this guy the entire night, wondering who that was. Because um, then if you would have had him come out, then Michael Cole could have just said. This is the guy the fans have been chanting for the entire night, hometown hero, NXT superstar, Sami Zayn. I mean, I guess it's semantics, it's, it's whatever, but I would have liked to have seen him come out on his own. Let me ask you this. Um, we'll get more into the injury aspect of this in a moment, but just a bigger picture thing. Zayn has, like I said, was has already had a couple of matches on WWE television, he had a couple of matches, main event, which, of course, nobody watches against. Nobody watches. Uh, versus Neville a couple of months back. He was on Raw in the tag team match leading up to one of the NXT specials. What have you done? What have, see, it's hard to say this because it was so good and after what happened, it may not matter. But what have you had Sami Zayn lose clean to Cena? Or what have you had Kevin Owens trying to build up their match actually, you know, cost him the victory, not have him lose clean, or do you think you're introducing too many people in one shot with introducing Kevin Owens also? Well, I think the injury is the biggest part of this, but um, as far as big picture, but in terms of the storyline, 
No, I don't think they needed. I don't think they needed to do that. That'd be confusing to the fans. I do think eventually you're going to see a guy holding the NXT title on Raw, and they are going to make it something. I do believe that that day is coming for everything that they've done with NXT and all the progress that's been made with NXT. Uh, but I do, I don't think that was the time to do it. I think that was all about Sami Zayn. It was all about him you know, making his debut on Raw. And um, so, yeah, I definitely think that that wouldn't have been the proper time to bring him out there. What do you think about, though, Zayn losing clean? Because I know... The- oh, I think that's fine. I think that's fine. He had a great match with them. I mean, he had a great match with them. He wrestled a 15-time world champ to the limit and almost won the match. So I, I think there, there's no problem there. Cool. Um now, so let, let's let's get to the injury. You, you said it right off the top that this could just this might this worries you, and mostly worries the people of who matter in the you know Vince McMahon's and the Stephanie Triple H. Him being injury prone, do you think that this could stunt his possible coming up to the main roster, or do you think that what he did in the ring and with the crowd response that once he's healthy and most likely this Kevin Steen, whenever it actually, I'm sorry, Kevin Owens actually happens, if it doesn't happen, you know, in two weeks at the next NXT show, do you think he's coming up or do you think this scares people off and he's going to be stuck in NXT for a while? I don't, I, I think if you think he might be injury prone, there's no reason to keep him in NXT because I know just get hurt at NXT. You may as well make money with him while you can. So I don't know that this is going to necessarily hurt him in terms of the main roster because I think, they think he's a guy. I don't think they would have brought him on Raw, put him in such a big spot, which that was to me a big spot. I don't think they would have done that if they didn't think he was ready for it. So I don't know that the injury will hurt him in terms of coming up, but I do think it could hurt him in terms of being a long-time WWE performer. If he keeps getting hurt all the time, it's going to be very difficult. So um, I hope that's not the case. I want to preface it by saying that. Um, but it looks like it might be. Corey, what are your thoughts on the injury and, and you know, his future and, and, and things of that nature? <sighs> you know what? I think it's one of those things where you're paying this guy. I think you, you it's going to sound awful, but I think you, you bring this guy up. You let him do everything you can. You know, the, the idea of, you know, you ride the horse until you have to take it out back to shoot him. I think you use him as long as you can, and you go and you get the most out of the guy. I mean... It sounds harsh, but I think you got to bring this guy up. Let him work. Let him do as much as you can, get as much money as you can out of him before it's too late. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Like I said, I mean, it sounds mostly like sounds a little bit heartless, but I mean, Sami Zayn's a great worker. I mean, of anybody, I mean, yeah, you might be paying, you know, Finn Balor more money than him, but of all the guys in NXT, the guy who deserves to be on the main roster the most right now is Sami Zayn. He's putting his time. He. Pl- I know, and especially if Daniel Bryan is going to be out, he is the next Daniel Bryan in regards to being that underdog babyface who the fans, not just the fans in uh, in Montreal, but I think the fans across everywhere in the in the world will get behind. And I'm not saying he's going to headline at WrestleMania, but I think he's that babyface, the underdog that the fans are going to be able to go and equate to, and he's going to be a huge star, and I think he should be up there already. Yeah, no, I agree. 
And it's funny. I mean, I don't know if we ever had this conversation on the air, but it talks off the air, maybe. We, we spoke about Sami Zayn, and it's amazing that a guy that who's in ROH as El Generico never heard the guy, basically never heard him talk. And I remember you, I, I might be wrong, I'm pretty sure we had this conversation where you thought the guy couldn't talk off the bat. What he's done over this, you know, two years on NXT or more has really surprised, you know, really surprised me. And I think it, you have to say it surprised you in regards to how much of a character he's become in such a short period of time. Yeah, and I think, you know, others have brought this up, you know, with Neville and with Zane and things like that. You know, could their characters get over? But what we're seeing now is these guys can get over as just regular guys. You know, Sami Zayn as a, just a nice guy, a guy that fans want to cheer for, the Daniel Bryan. I mean, that's basically what Daniel Bryan is, a nice guy that the fans want to cheer for. And I think there's definitely an element of that, you know, of those guys being able to get over. And I hope that we see this more with, with WWE and NXT. Everybody doesn't need to have some crazy gimmick, some weird gimmick. You can have these guys kind of be themselves a little bit more, and which I think will help get them over. And I think with Sami Zayn, he seems like a genuine, really nice Canadian dude. And I think the fans gravitate toward that. And he's really good in the ring as well. So, you know, I think we're going to be seeing that more, hopefully, as we go along here. You know, Kevin Owens, you know, Hideo Itami. I mean, there's a lot of guys we're seeing where they're not necessarily some outlandish gimmick. They're just kind of, kind of a dude who likes to fight. Uh, just to throw this in there, because I don't know if we'll get a chance later on, because you brought up his name. Just one of people who may have not been following Mike Johnson, the PW Insider, or John Pollock from The Law, who both uh, broke this story earlier in the week. Uh, Kenta, a.k.a. Hideo Tommy, is going to be out for six to eight months with a, a shoulder injury. So that kind of goes in three. Six to eight months. Wow. Six to eight months. That throws away that... Uh, much anticipated three-way match at the next NXT special with him versus uh, Finn Balor and uh, Gor- and the gorgeous one, Tyler Breeze. So we'll see where that goes. We'll talk mostly more next week. We have a little more time about how that affects the NXT uh, takeover next special in two weeks. But uh, like I said, Zayn looks like he might... We don't know officially how long he's going to be out for. And also... Adeo Tommy is going to be on the shelf. So it makes it looks very interesting. The guys that have actually been to the main roster most recently, one with WrestleMania and the Battle Royal and Zayn this past Monday, two major cogs of guys who the indie, you know, the indie fans love, and it appears the NXT fans have really gotten into, both could be on the shelf for a while. So it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. And you know, Corey, does this tell you that maybe, you know, we love NXT. We love what they're doing with NXT. But some of these guys have been down there for a long time. And maybe instead of having these guys put these, you know, kind of like a running back in, in, in football. In college football, what do we say with these running backs? They all should come out early. Because you don't want to put, you know, mileage on your body in college when you can make money and do that in the NFL. Right? And so with these guys in NXT, they're putting miles on their body wrestling in NXT when they could potentially be on the main roster. And now we're seeing some of them are, are getting injuries here with the, the Atami and with Zane. Maybe it makes sense to bring these guys up a little bit early and not have these guys down there so long. With Tyler Breeze and certain guys who started when they were 22 or 23 um, as that, that E60, 
that's, you know, you can play around with those guys a little bit more. But for these older guys, the Finn Balors, the Atamis, the Owens, the Zane, maybe they should really think about bringing these guys up a little bit sooner um, to, you know, kind of prevent some of the things that we're seeing now. I don't know, just a thought. Hey, you know what? We could bring, we'll bring this up a little bit when we get into the East 60 story a little bit earlier on the show. But, you know, as much good stuff as they're doing, trying to create new stars, there's this, having this performance center, are, these, are they working these two guys too hard and, you know, with all the training they're doing, you know, that maybe they're leading to more injuries? You don't know. But um, let's move into a couple of notes on Raw from this past Monday. Um, I think the big one is a guy that this show, both members really like, uh, Dean Ambrose, has been uh, slotted into the main event of Payback, which... Hold your he- hold your uh, hold on a second. Seven days from now, we have another uh, WWE pay per view. God damn, these things come way too fast. Um, but Dean Ambrose, it will be part of the main event of that show. Now you have a four way with Reigns, Ambrose, uh, <clears throat> Randy Orton, and Seth Rollins. Uh, you had Rollins taking the uh, getting pinned. Leading into the four-way with, you know, Kane still being the thorn in his side. We're seeing where that goes. But this brings up something that I don't know if you'll agree with me or not, but I really wonder, is Dean Ambrose in this match because after, you know, basically a year of not winning a singles match or pay-per-view and finally winning one against, you know, Luke Luke Harper this past pay-per-view in Extreme Rules, are we finally going to push him into the main event picture? Or do they not want to go and have either Seth, Reigns, or Orin be the guy to have his shoulder on the mat for three seconds? Basically, is Ambrose in here because he's a new main eventer? Yeah, is he in there to take the fall? Yeah, so that's a really interesting question. You know, we read a month or so ago that the WWE was reportedly pushing Ambrose to be in the main event at some point, uh, to be a more main event level guy getting a push at some point. Um, I didn't know it would be this soon. I think it's fantastic that he's in the match. I think he's absolutely going to be the one to take the pin. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, but I would say I don't know if he's in the match to take the pin because you got to Randy Orton lose, and who would and who cares? I mean, he's a 12-time champion. He could lose every match till Kingdom Come, and he'll still be over. Um, I think Ambrose is in there because, quite frankly, I think they want to do something with him. Um, I think they, I think he, they, they want to push him to an upper mid card guy, uh, maybe a guy that stands out from the Sheamuses and the Barretts and the Zigglers and those guys, and becomes kind of you know closer to to the Reigns and the and the Rollinses and the Ortons. And um, I think this is a guy who really deserves it. Um, you can say that for a lot of guys too, Sheamus, Barrett, Ziggler, all those guys for sure. Uh, but I think Ambrose, you know, we saw him getting beaten down. He had a great feud with Rollins, really one of the feuds of the year. Didn't win that feud. Hasn't really won a lot of pay-per-view matches at all. Um, has been a fantastic, was one of the top performers to me in the WWE last year in terms of mic work, in terms of in-ring work. And, um, you know, you know, assuming they get him away from that brawling style, which they really did with the Rollins match on, on Monday, I thought it was a tremendous match. Those guys have great chemistry. You know, that maybe they're starting to push him. I'm not saying the guy's going to be world champion anytime soon, but I think he may start to be one of those guys who gets a shot 
um, at the title on a more regular basis? Uh, see, I'm going to take the opposite view. I know the, we'll say the internet mark who thinks WWE is always out to get everybody. Bulk, you know, bull routine, I guess, on this one. I think he's in this match just to take the fall. And I don't expect him, I don't expect for the next couple of months to see him in the main event picture. Do I see him being part of, you know, in the Money in the Bank match? Yeah, but you know what they have? They've tried to put as many people as they can in those matches. So I don't know if that's saying much. Uh, do I think do we think Ambrose? Do, do we think Ambrose possibly gets the Money in the Bank? No, I, I think it's gonna be. I think this is. I think it's gonna be Reigns. I think Reigns wins money. If Reigns is in the match, I think Reigns wins Money in the Bank. Which I mean, I don't know if that defeats the purpose of when a guy wins Money in the Bank, then you usually don't put him in. You know, in title matches beforehand because it kind of defeats the purpose of it. But I think that Reigns most likely would win. Don't know if it's the right decision, but you know, based on all the things they've given him over the last you know year and a half, you know. Winning the Rumble, most eliminations in the Rumbles, you know, winning, you know, Survivor Series and everything. Yeah. So, I mean, I see that. But, you know what, the thing that is interesting, and we'll bring this up kind of less than we, I guess we can get into this and get back to more on Raw in a second, but does does the rating on this past Monday's Raw, Raw this week scored a 2.55 rating down from 2.68 rating from the week before, Raw averaged 3.573 million viewers, down from 3.756 million viewers from the from last week. This time last year, it was the after Extreme Rules, they were at 4.276 million viewers, so that's almost 700,000 less than the year before. Do you think with these numbers, any chance that we scrap the idea that Brock versus Rollins has to be for the title at SummerSlam? And maybe they take the title off of Rollins with these numbers and blame him for the the low numbers. You know, Corey, as much as I think that is absolutely outrageous and absurd, I mean, sure. I mean, I could see Vince gets very panicky with these ratings. And I mean, I could see him doing something. The problem is, like, the champion isn't dictating all the ratings. I mean, I I don't understand that. The guys are still on the show. Cena's still on the show. Orton's on the show. Reigns are on the show. The guy has the title, but he's on the show, Corey, as much as he was when he didn't have the title. He was cutting the same promos and doing the same stuff, still in the main event. So I think it would be so asinine for them to do that. I would be, I'd be very upset. So I think it would be a really stupid, short-sighted decision. That being said, sure. I mean, I... You know, with Vince and when he panics with these ratings, I, I can see it. I think the shows haven't been great because the shows haven't been great. Not because of Rollins. I mean, if anything, he's made the shows worth watching, really, every week. So um, hopefully they don't do that. And he is a you know, guy who's been established, but he's a heel champion, and they're trying to establish him. And that's going to have its ups and downs. That's the way it is when you put a title on a guy. It's going to be what it's going to be. So, I hope that's not the case. What do you think? Uh, to me, it's a little scary, to be honest. I, I, know mean, you, I know you're a bit more cynical than me, so, when it comes to this stuff. I mean, you know what? You can, the only thing that was really on against Raw this past Monday, there was no, really no big NHL or NBA game. I mean, only, and I, only the really big thing that was up against Raw was 
what, the season finale of, of Gotham? I mean, it wasn't like there was this huge, you know, event that would have taken all these viewers away. I mean, and I think it goes directly the idea that the last couple of weeks of Raw weren't great. People maybe got frustrated and they missed a pretty damn good one, uh, which I think we'll get into more in a second. I think this past week's Raw was actually maybe the best Raw we've had since Mania, maybe even before Mania. I mean, I thought this was a really solid Raw. I think a lot of things happened. But I think that, you know, the one thing that we're definitely going to see is the return of Stephanie and Triple H are going to come back this Monday. And you know what? I mean, I don't know if we see Vince McMahon on our TV screen anytime soon, which I think will be nothing special to say the least. But Vince has a history of, you know what, when things aren't going great, he'll go back to reliable. I'm not saying he's putting the title back on Cena right right now, but can you, would you be shocked if... Uh, if Orton won the title, or if they decide to pull the trigger and put the title on Reigns on, uh, this coming Sunday, I mean, I wouldn't. How is Reigns going to help the Reigns? I mean, the fans can't stand this dude still. He's done a lot better. I, I, I absolutely think he's done a lot better. But putting the title on him to improve the ratings, I just, I don't know. I, Corey, I just, you, you just gave me agita by bringing that topic <laughs> up. I really, really, really hope they don't do anything on that. By the way, it's thunder really hard here. I don't know if you guys, you, Corey, I don't know if you hear it from, from me, but nope. it's uh, thunder and lightning pretty good here in Rochester. But I, I don't know, Corey. I really hope they don't do that. I, I think that anything is possible, but it'd be so short-sighted and, and wouldn't make any sense to do at this point. They need to establish rounds as a, as a heel champion. They need to do that. They're putting this guy in a prime time position and do that. Put him in a prime time position. Doesn't matter whether the ratings aren't exactly where you like them. I mean, this is what we talk about, right? Them building guys or not building guys, you know, based on nonsense. And, and that's what this would be. I don't disagree with you. I mean, like I said, I'm a huge fan of Rollins. I think that he can still be a major major part of of the product in a good way. And I think he is, you know, most weeks the best thing on the show. But, I mean, you know, like I said, this is purely hypothetical, but I can see, you know, Cena losing by some sort of fluke way where they pipe in, you know, a la, you know, Mankind with, you know, I quit. You get the title off of him. And then next month, Next month or two, you have Cena get the title back. Because, you know, Cena equals ratings. As much as we, you know, think it's time for a change, when Cena's champion, they have better ratings. And still, uh, he hasn't been the champion for two years. I mean, and, ratings uh, some of these shows. Last year, was he the champion last year? Uh, Yeah, he was. We had Cena and Orton going back and forth to the title. No, last year, at, after WrestleMania, Daniel Bryan was a champion. Then Brian got hurt. He lost. He got hurt. And did Cena have the title? Uh, yeah, they did the whole entire thing with combining the two titles, didn't they? No, that was before. That was before Brian got hurt. Okay. I think Brock was Brock was a champ. Now I'm all, now I'm all now I'm all thrown off. Well, anyway, Brock Brock won the title from Cena. So Cena was a champion. You're right. Can you repeat they that? May have, that? They may have been at a funny point where Cena wasn't the champion just yet. They may not have had a champion just yet, but I think you're, I think, I think you're, I think you're right on that. Wow. But they were also coming off of 
Daniel Bryan, who was one of the most over guys in a big spot. So that also could play could play into it as well. Building stars. And Bryan not being there, as much as we want to say whatever, that that affects the show too. And that affects the product as well. Absolutely. I mean, look at it. I know we, we're, we'll, we'll get back to Ambrose in a moment because I think that is an interesting topic. But if you want to look at it honestly, couple, what is it, a month and a half, two months ago now, we had Mania. If you look at almost two-thirds of the people that were in the major matches of Mania, aren't there anymore. No Undertaker, no no Brock, no Sting, no Triple H, no Daniel Bryant. That's five That's key pieces. You know, you don't have any, uh, not that we were seeing, no appearances by The Rock, no Austin, you know, we don't see him on the network anymore. We Supposedly he'll have an announcement in a couple of weeks on what he's doing coming up, but a lot of the main figures going into Mania aren't there. A lot, you know, we're having a lot of guys doing double duty in these, you know, we had to see, you know, which wasn't terrible by any stretch, but we saw, uh, not Rollins, I'm sorry, Orin and Reigns doing, you know, two matches this past week. We've seen, you know, in the last couple of weeks, guys wrestling twice on each show. This isn't exactly the most stacked lineup we've ever had coming out of a post-WrestleMania. So, I mean, there are... There are a lot of reasons why the ratings may not be great right now, and I agree with you. I would not take the title off of, of Rollins for any reason right now, unless, of course, he got hurt, which, knock on wood, hopefully that doesn't happen. But, you know, you're, you're relying on, you know, the new day right now. And I think they're doing quite well. So, I mean, I'm not, this is not, not taking anything against the new day, but I think the ratings, people have to relax a little bit, and I'm hoping... It doesn't lead into, you know, Cena being put back into the main event picture because I think what he's doing right now is fabulous. If you have any other thoughts before we get back to Ambrose for a moment. Uh, just just quickly, very interesting what you said. You made a, a tremendous point where so many of the guys that we saw in WrestleMania aren't on the show. And a, a kind of a gimmick that we thought was just absolutely ridiculous and silly, the New Day literally were the people to start off raw. I mean, so we've gone from these guys being complete jobbers and hammenagers to now them starting off raw. So it kind of tells you the, I don't want to say lack of depth of the roster, but maybe you can say lack of depth of the roster or a lack of main event level guys in the roster. Let's say that. The Undertakers, the Stings, the Triple H's, those guys are not active performers. And we're seeing it in the rings, you know, and when you lose guys like, Cena, or like I should say, Daniel Bryan, it makes things even worse. So, I mean, it makes sense why the ratings are suffering, and I think it has nothing to do with Rollins not being a champion. I think it could have a lot to do with Brock not being there. Absolutely. Um, but I don't think it has anything to do with Rollins not being uh, Rollins being champion. I I agree. Now, before we move on, let's just get a little bit more into this Ambrose thing. Just want to give it enough time to for how big I think this is. Ambrose... I'd like to see what happens coming out. I mean, I don't want to give a full judgment. Like I said, I do think he's in this match to to take the fall, but I do think it's going to be very interesting to see how he's characterized and how he's pushed leading into SummerSlam. Do we get the, you know, he lost last year at Money in the Bank. Does he get Money in the Bank? Is he in Money in the Bank? You know, I mean, you've got a log jam. I know how you've said the last couple of weeks that the IC and the U.S. division haven't maybe been this deep and good in a while. 
But if you're going to have all these guys in the division, you got to have some of these guys step up and appear to be more than just U.S. title contenders. And is Dean Ambrose going to be more than that? Or is, you know, in a, in a week's time, are we going to see him facing Luke Harper again for the 47th time and being right back into, you know, hey, John Cena, you have another open challenge. Can I come down again? Yeah, I mean, you may be right. Um, but it may be just a way of, like I always said, it's not about winning the match, but about being in the match. And maybe right now you put this guy in the match, which is a you know pretty big match, obviously main event of a pay-per-view, which he's main evented before the Hell in a Cell. You put this guy in the main event of the match, maybe he loses. Then maybe he's thrust back into the U.S. or IC division. A couple months going down the road, maybe he wins the money in the bank. You know, maybe he has another world op- title opportunity. I don't see him being the champion anytime soon. I, I don't. Um, but I do see him at some point as the year wears on getting more opportunities. Does that mean that he's main eventing Raws every week? I, I don't know about that. But I do see him getting another another crack at the title at some point, and maybe in a three-way or, or you know, fatal four-way, something like that. Now, let me ask you this. We have two things I want to talk about more with Raw. You, you wanted to comment on Cena's promo, but I know I am never the – over the last, you know, year or so or more, you know, we dubbed him Captain Boring. I think he's been better as of late. But would you have more interest in this four-way match if it was a three-way and it was the first time we have all three members of the Shield in a match together? Or does that not matter to you right now? You didn't even think of that until I said it. I didn't, didn't even think about it until you said it. Now – do I think it's something they could have promoted? That would have been awesome. And hopefully they mention it. I don't know if they have on TV yet. I haven't um, heard it. But it, would, but it would be cool if they did mention something like that. Um, so the three members of the Shield are going for the title, and Orton's there too. But it's not really about that, and that's not the storyline they're trying to play up, which I get. It's more about Orton and you know, Reigns and now Ambrose being thrust in there. It's almost as much about Kane being involved for whatever reason than than anything else. So it would be cool if they if they were to mention it, but I, I don't know if I see them doing that. All right. Uh, before we move on from Raw, uh, pre-show, you know, we spoke for a moment and uh, we kind of bypassed it because it was putting the, the spotlight on Zayn. But before Zayn came out with have his match and got heard and everything else. Cena was on the mic for, you know, four or five minutes, which the first time I watched it, I'll be honest, I felt it was like things going on forever. But John Cena, the most, you know, as they like to put it, the most controversial wrestler of all time or however they said it, he got his typical John Cena sucks routine from the fans in Montreal. And it wasn't the usual, we do this for like a minute and a half, and we just go and we pay attention like every other audience. They went after him hard. Cena went. Maybe the best thing Cena does when he's in these situations, he figures out a way to get the fans on his side. It may take him a few minutes, but he does it. I mean, I thought what he did with the, the guy in the Quebec Nordiques jersey, I thought was a yeah. good line. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I, you told me before, show you really enjoyed the promo. Let me get a couple of thoughts on that before we move on from Raw. Yeah, I, I just enjoyed it because of how difficult it was in that spot for him to turn that heat on him around that the crowd was giving him into the passion that they have and 
you got you know you guys have passion like I have passion and you're never gonna say I quit just like I'm not gonna say I quit and for him to turn the crowd completely around and then them cheering for him at the end after booing him five minutes before that I thought was amazing I thought it was amazing and I don't know of you know three other guys on the roster that could do that him and Paul Heyman maybe I mean I don't Really know of many other people who could do that. Um, I thought the way he turned the crowd um, back on his side was just brilliantly done. And um, it's really a credit to the guy having to come. I mean, he, I mean, listen, he's got enough practice doing it as much as they brutalize him. Uh, but I feel like there was one of the worst because they weren't necessarily just like brutalizing him. They didn't care. <laughs> they just wanted to see Sami Zayn. Mm-hmm. So it was almost a little different in that they weren't, booing Cena, it was much more about them wanting to see Sami Zayn and them booing him. And for him to turn it around, I thought it was really, really interesting and, and fascinating. Very cool. And the, we saw another version of that, I guess, also with this past week, Ryback, earlier in the night, he went and they started cheer, you know, chanting Goldberg at him, and he went and took it head on, and he said, doesn't matter what I do, if I, if I get angry at it, you're going to keep on doing it, and the minute he did that, they went and, you know, started to feed me more. So it really was one of those crowds. I'm not going to say it was, I want to be on TV and I'm going to go and try to steal the, you know, hijack the show type of crowds. But it was one of those crowds that went and they wanted to be heard. And as soon as you acknowledged them, they went and said, all right, let's get back to the show. You know, so, I mean, it was an interesting crowd, to say the least. Yeah. I thought the crowd was great, and it was, you're right, it was definitely the best for us since WrestleMania. Since the Monday, the, the Raw after uh, WrestleMania. Um, other than that, it was definitely their best show. Very cool. Um, I guess we could just say quickly, Tamina Snook is back. I don't know if anybody cares. Uh, <laughs> I liked what they did. I, I mean, I don't know how they're going to make the Bellas sympathetic figures. I mean, they've been heels the whole time they've been in the company, but... Um, I liked what they did with um, with those two. Um, they, they gave my girl some 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 kind of braids. I like that. I like what Tamina did. I like how they tied it into the whole family aspect of it. Um, I think they can get some mileage out of the feud. And you know what? You could say what you want, but they're giving them some story. They're giving the girl some story, and they're trying to do something. Yeah. So I, you know, I give them credit for that. Um, and so yeah, I will. We'll see where it goes. You know, Corey, I, I, the New Day thing, we, we kind of briefly touched on it. But we saw this a couple of weeks ago with the tag team division, them having Kid and Cesaro get run over by Randy Orton, basically. And now this week, although it was three of them, I get that, they they beat Reigns and, and, and Orton. And I thought it was a very good victory for those guys. I think it's continuing their obnoxious obnoxiousness, which I think the New Day needs. And I think they, I, you know, I think they need to just have Woods talk, by the way. Don't even have the other two of them talk. Just have Xavier Woods talk, because he is fantastic on the microphone. And he can really, I think Corey, out of any of those guys, he could be the real guy who stands out as a heel. Doesn't it just seem like he could be like such a dick? I mean, I, I thought he, I think he's great. Um, but they're Pushing the tag teams now a little more. I mean, um, they're definitely building up this New Day versus Kid and Cesaro, which I like. 
And I'm, I'm glad they got him the victory. I'm glad they put him in the beginning of Raw. And, you know, maybe they're becoming invested in him to, to a certain extent. It's, I mean, I think it's a very interesting debate on is go away heat, can that turn into, or the Xbox, Xbox heat, which I think most people thought that the New Day was getting, can that actually become something more if it's thrown down the fan's throat and it actually, you know, turns it to be something good? I, I, I don't know about thrown down the fan's throat. I, I don't really love that term. I, I think more if it's just done well, if they, if they do it well, like Cena turning the fans back to his favor when they were not interested at all in seeing him, taking that X-Pac heat and using it to be obnoxious and to be, you know, uh, to be a dick for Woods to continue to develop. I, I think, I, I guess, the, you know, you know, semantics shoving down the throat, but I think they could absolutely with Woods, that's why they need him to talk a lot. Um, they could have him really turn it into a more kind of vicious, more serious um, uh, kind of heel stable. Hey, I hope you're right. Like I said, I think they're doing a good job, and it is quite surprising. Um, and just want to throw it out there. Continue to follow us on uh, Twitter at Worked Shoot Pod and at Palinate Away for myself. This past week, you know, uh, Jason wasn't around, so I went and threw a couple of things out there here and there. You know, when I saw something. Especially when we were talking about Tamina Snook, I, I think a lot of people, nice to know that she's still with the company. I had no idea that she was still employed. I mean, yeah, uh, she, tore, she tore her ACL or something, I think. That's what she was going for a while. Okay, like I said, I mean, I, I was starting to think maybe she was JTG and uh, she'd be on the roster forever and we just wouldn't remember she was there. Um, but let's, let's move on. I guess we can uh, get a little bit, a company that we usually make fun of, you know, for coming out with announcement that, you know, they have lighting grids and, you know, having awful uh, homepages when they first came out. You know, glo- usually I call them, you know, global farce wrestling, but it appears this is actually a thing. Global force wrestling. They had their announcement this past, I believe it was this past Wednesday, and they announced the roster, and we still don't have a TV deal, but it looks like, this is actually something that's going to be coming more and more clear. And Jim Ross appears to be, you know, know a little bit about what's going on here. He said that if he ever did announcing again, he would love to work with, you know, Jeff Jarrett again. He had a great time with uh, the um, show at the beginning of the year for New Japan Pro Wrestling, Wrestle Kingdom 9. said that they're going to be looking to do uh, 13 weeks and a two-hour finale. They would tape, They would do all the shows. They would tape them. Uh, in Nashville for the, you know, for the, for the audio for some of the shows. Uh, so what do you think of Global Force Wrestling announcement of the roster and uh, that this thing is actually moving forward? Corey, I, I am, I'll be honest with you, I'm shocked. <laughs> I wasn't sure if this was ever going to come together. And I give Jarrett credit for saying, you know, for... Now I can't pull up the roster. I was trying to pull up the roster, but I can't now. Um, I give Jared a lot of credit, man, for putting this together. He, he's trying to – he signed uh, Chael Sonnen as an expert analysis – or expert analyst, I should say. Um, he's trying to sign Jim Ross, who apparently is interested. Obviously, they're doing a lot. Chael Sonnen is the expert analyst. 
Um, Jim Ross is interested and they are actively trying to sign him. Uh, some guys in the roster that you guys may be familiar with are the Bullet Club, Machine Gun Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows, the Killer Elite Squad, um, a team that's really made a lot of progress lately, Lance Hoyt and Davey Boy Smith Jr. Um, also, the uh, Chris Modesty. Well, what they call him? What was he? The Chris Masterson. Masterson. That's it. Um, PJ Black, formerly Justin Gabriel, uh, the Moose from Ring of Honor. I'm not really sure how that works with Ring of Honor. Uh, Lady Tapa. And so, you know, listen, you know, they're not bringing in The Rock. You know what I mean? Like, The Rock is not coming to Global Force Wrestling, but they are bringing in some people who have some names and some experience and it'll be interesting to see how it works. I think with all of TNA's problems and with guys not getting paid, apparently you know, there's a rumor that, you know, according to Dave Meltzer, one of the TNA talents said, if you don't pay me, I'm going to Global Force Wrestling. So, you know, the one difference between them and Ring of Honor, you know, is they've got some money behind them. And the Ring of Honor does too, but I, I think it's a little different with this Global Force Wrestling, if it's legit. If they can get it, because they don't have a TV deal, correct? Correct. I think what they're going to do is they're going to make the, have the TV tapings and sell their shows to networks so they kind of know what they're getting, which is not a, a bad strategy either. But, I mean, they're, they have a play-by-play -play guy. They may have, uh, you know, they have Chelsea on in there already. He was in their, their press conference they had. Uh, so they have a couple of personalities, possibly. They have some hands, you know, no, you know, no, no stone cold to the rocks, but guys that the audience are familiar with. And it's really coming together. And I mean, God, we got, we have so much wrestling already, but, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to feel about this. I, I wonder if it's going to be, you know, a, a crap show or if it's going to be something that's really good. Um, Corey, what, what, we can say this about Global Force Wrestling. It is a farce no longer. It's legit. They've got guys who are doing something. Uh, well, let's take this couple of points here. One, you, you mentioned uh, Moose, who's with Ring of Honor. Um, from what I've been told, <laughs> I don't know what's going on in the background over there. I'm doing the move. Moose. Huh. Moose. Okay. That's one of those things, I guess, when we actually ever do a video show, we'll be able to see. Um, Moose, who's signed with Ring of Honor, his contract apparently is over, I think, in the like, next month and a half. So, from what I've been told, he's not going to be at the uh, TV taping, but for these uh, ballpark shows, he'll be at those. Okay. I, but I think that's a very interesting thing, where I think a lot of people are going to be interested in Moose when his contract expires, I'm sure... Uh, NXT, Ring of Honor would love to bring them back, TNA, Global Force. Um, I think it's an interesting uh, signing for Global Force. I think it's somebody who, of all the names, I was the most intrigued by. Because when we first saw him, I thought he was green as grass, but I think he's gotten a lot better. I do, too. So I do think that's interesting. Um, I'm not surprised by you know any of the guys from New Japan Pro Wrestling because they signed a deal with them. He was part of the Bullet Club for, you know, um, the Wrestle Kingdom show. Uh, Shale is, is an interesting choice. Might means that, you know, he's 
ending whatever idea of ever coming back to, you know, UFC after his year suspension is up, you know, if he's going into the wrestling, you know, field, I mean, he still does some stuff for ESPN. Um, I think it is interesting that Jim Ross and Chael Sonnen have worked together on the Metamorris, I believe, show, or a smaller smaller uh, MMA show a couple of formats back for Fox Sports 1. So they do have a history together, So, which is interesting. Um, I think that as long as they don't have a, a TV deal, I mean, maybe they do and we don't know about it. You know, it's one of those things that won't be announced until they actually have the TV tapings. I think that until we actually see them picked up, I think it's a work in progress still. This is a good sign. Um, I will be interested to see if, you know, a guy like a Samoa Joe, who still hasn't officially, as far as we know, signed with, uh, with NXT or WWE, does he maybe go there? As far as I've always heard, he's had a good relationship with, you know, uh, with Jeff Jarrett. That would be a huge coup for them. Um, I think it's still a work in progress. There's a lot of wrestling out there. you got Lucha Underground. You've got, you know, ROH, NXT, New Japan. you got Pro Wrestling Syndicate. Are you, you, know, you, got are you excited stuff. about it? Are you excited for what this could be? Or are you... What, 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 what's your feelings about what this could actually be? It's so weird to say, and I, I know it came out with the New Japan show, but I, I will be super excited if Jim Royce, Jim Ross is the voice of it. I know we're saying we're putting a lot of stock into a guy who's not actually getting in the ring, but I think he brings a ton of credibility to the product. Um, am I? Would it be, is it going to be cool to see you know some of these guys from the Bullet Club on TV, you know, for however weeks it is on a U.S. product? Absolutely, I'm a huge fan of you know Carl Anderson and become a bigger fan of Luke Gallows. You know, Young Bucks haven't aren't on there yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're far behind. I mean, be nice to see you know how Davy Boy Smith has gotten better. Which you know, if you don't watch New Japan, you don't know. There is no major name there that's, that says please watch me, but you know, I mean, until I see a TV deal officially, I'm not. I'm not jumping out of my seat to say this is, this is you know the next big thing. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I mean, there's just a lot they can do. Um, you know, Ring of Honor is struggling to keep some guys, and um, we see everything that's going on in NXT. As Jeff Jarrett keeps saying, there's so much independent talent out there. I mean, Lucha Underground's a lot of you know indie guys, and they're doing fantastic. Um, I, it's still one of my favorite shows to watch, maybe my favorite show. And so they're doing a lot. So, I mean, there's just so much going on out there and so much talent out there. I think they have a chance if they do it right. I think the one thing that they have to do no matter what is they have to have a different kind of product. Mm -hmm. They can't just have standard impact wrestling, TNA, BS. They need to make it different. Lucha Underground is, is just a very different show. I'm not saying they're going to have all that money behind them to do the kind of things that Lucha Underground can do um, from a standpoint of vignettes and such, but they need to do something different to make their product stand out. I, I don't know exactly what that is, but I think they're going to need to do something if they're going to get TV people to want to put their show in the air and if they're going to get eyeballs on their product. Uh, I guess the only, I guess to end this particular part of the discussion, I guess I would say, if they get onto someone who is on a basic cable level where 
unlike, you know, a Destination in America, which has been hard for some people to find, unlike an El Rey, which... Or, impo- or impossible. <laughs> impossible. Or, you know, an El Rey, which I don't have. I mean, I've been able to see some of the shows lately due to the fact that Lucha Underground is doing a great thing in regards to putting on Facebook and Twitter full matches of marquee matches. I mean, I saw the, you know, Johnny Mundo... Uh, El Patron match this past week. I saw the Drago um, Puma match the week before. You know the tr- the trios final, which that Anna Helico dive was ridiculous. Yeah, you know I've been able to see a lot of the things lately, so they've been going on that route. You know we don't have Sinclair in New York City, so unless you're watching online, Ring of Honor is not the easiest thing to find sometimes. So I mean, wow. if they're on a basic cable. CMT, if they get onto Spike, if they're on something that people know about, could they fill the void of people who don't have, you know, direct TV and don't get, you know, access? Could that fill, you know, with at least some of the American wrestlers in New Japan? Because, you know, they've got the Killer Elite Squad, which you said. They have guys in the Bullet Club. Could they be bringing in that New Japan flavor? Might fill that type of gap? Maybe that can work. But, like I said, until we get a TV deal and we know exactly what they are, I know that this show doesn't like to read spoilers, but I think this might be one of the few times that on mid-July when that first taping happens, I think we may want to read at least an idea of what happened at those shows to see if it's just the basic, you know, formulaic program. You know, so I mean, I think it might be interesting to see what that is. I don't know if reading spoilers is going to tell us that. I think that's all going to be how it's laid out on TV. Someone could go there and watch the say, watch the show and say they had some good matches, but they're not going to know the backdoor thing, the backstage vignettes. They may not know some of that stuff. So mm. reading spoilers is fine, but I don't think reading spoilers is going to tell us anything about what the show is. At oh least, no, I understand that. I'm at, just, least my, at least, in, at least in my opinion. I'm just saying more of the idea of you know what's going on, how you know the fans reacted, if it's going to be a lively show. If, you know, it's the usual guys who, you know, people are tired of, which the big name guys of the past are just, you know, yeah. are getting over, you know, it's be interesting in that I respect to see if it's the same old shit, basically. Uh, yeah, and it's interesting, too, because what do you do with the show? You know, Jim Ross there, who the hardcore fans love, do you make it a NXT kind of style show for more of the hardcore fans? Do you make it a show... With a lot of promos and backstage stuff, which maybe the more casual fans like, they they're gonna have a fun, especially and and they're trying to sell this show to TV companies, um, possibly. I mean, we don't know specifically, but that's what we think is gonna happen. So they're in a real tricky spot. It's not just going to be about matches and you know about those sort of things. It's gonna be about how they're selling their TV show to, you know, whatever TV station they're going to try to get on. So I think it's, this thing in July that happens is going to be super, super fascinating. Absolutely. And we wish, you know, as much as I've had my somewhat, I'll say my own mind, classic rant on Jeff Jarrett a couple of months ago, we've got to give him credit. And I think he's doing stuff in the right direction. seems like he's taking this slow and making it to something that could be viable, but... We'll, we'll, we'll talk more about Global Force, not Force, Global Force Wrestling, and the upcoming months when we know more, when we have a little bit more of an idea of who might be on the roster, what the tapings went like, how these stadium shows are, 
are getting, you know, the crowd-wise, people actually have interest. But let's let's move on to the last couple of topics. Uh, let's go with, you know, we've had this whole entire thing with give divas a chance, give women's wrestling a chance. Two of the biggest female influences on the wrestling industry right now were did, did different podcasts this past week. We had part one of the Dixie Carter Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast, which I thought was pretty interesting. I mean, it's a lot of the same stuff with, you know, Dixie Carter is a really nice person, doesn't want to fire anybody, this and that. Then we had Stephanie McMahon with Chris Jericho, which I don't know what your opinion on of it was. I know you more than likely watch that more than you watch, listen to the uh, Dixie Carter. But Stephanie, I don't know if you really learned anything in, in the Stephanie uh, McMahon one either. So, I mean, like to get your take. On Stephanie, on Jericho, did you care? I mean, did you? What, what was your thoughts on this? So I'm going to surprise you. I have not or listened to either. I have not watched or listened to either. I originally didn't watch the Stephanie one because it was during the draft, and I meant to listen to it, but I don't subscribe to Jericho's podcast, and I just completely forgot about it. And the news sites I go to, none of them came out with anything specific she said kind of like the Cena one mm-hmm. so I think I kind of assumed that she really didn't say anything during it I don't know did she say anything significant during it uh not really I mean that's what so, I, I there, kind of... so there you go there you go I mean and again that's what these Jericho podcasts are God bless them but they're standard fair I mean just Correct. like uh just like just like the Cena one it's I mean which was interesting you had the idea of Two old friends talking about the old times and talking about different things. I mean, you got into a little bit about, you know, her relationship with Triple H, which was kind of interesting, I guess you can say. Uh, you found a little bit about her background, how she, unlike Shane, which we've all learned over time, from a young age, she wanted to be in this company from the beginning. She worked pretty much in every area it was in the WWE, WWF, beforehand, before she became what she is. I mean, we got the idea that, you know, that, she, you know, like I said, Shane isn't, had to get out on his own. Uh, you know, they spoke a little bit about Give Divas a Chance on how we were hoping for more down the line. But for the most part, it really felt like, you know, it was a little bit of a fluff type of interview. I mean, we found out why Stephanie hasn't been on TV for the last, you know, couple of weeks because she was doing this, um, Overseas uh, internship type of thing, not internship, but you know, yeah, a business thing. I, I heard about <laughs> yeah. that. I mean, you know, so I mean, it wasn't groundbreaking. Um, and on Dixie Carter's one, it was more of we got a little bit more of an interest in how she got into wrestling. So I thought that was a little bit more interesting. And I think Austin is so much better of an interviewer that you feel like you understand the subject. You know, the person you're ta- that he's talking to more as a result of it. If I were to listen to one of them, Jay, I would say listen to the Dixie Carter one because okay. you get a little bit more of it and, each, and part two of it will be coming out this week. I mean, you got a little bit of interest, I mean, she, on how the struggles a little bit, you know, she does in every interview, which, you know, mostly drives the, uh, the, the people in the wrestling community crazy where, you know, continually every, you know, 10 minutes she goes and says, everyone thought we wouldn't last, you know, five weeks and, 13 years later and we're still here. You know, the, the the smart wrestling fan will say, 
well, if Daddy didn't have, you know, a half a trillion dollars and Panda and John, I know half a trillion's a little more than they mostly have, but if Daddy didn't want to keep you happy, you know, you, this company wouldn't be here right now. I mean, so, you know, she's, and a lot of people, you know, she's a little defensive at times, the idea of that, you know, with a little engine that could, which they are, they've survived longer than most people expected, but I think one thing that you learn from Dixie Carter in these interviews when she does them is she's, she really loves the people who work for her, you know? So, I mean, it is an interesting thing on a woman in this industry. So, I think it is interesting in that a- ad aspect. So, like I said, if you had to pick one to listen to, I would listen to the uh, the Dixie Carter one. But isn't it disappointing with the Stephanie one? Because she could be so interesting. And I think if they would have had someone else interview her, not to demean Jericho or say he's terrible, but I think they could have got so much out of her because, to me, she's such an interesting part of this, being in between Triple H and Vince, being Triple H's wife, and, and kind of, you know, all the influence she has backstage, and, you know, how much of a part of the product she is. I mean, she, she's a, a significant part of the product, mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe they touched on that more than, you know, obviously you heard it, so maybe they touched on that a bit, but I, I get the sense maybe that they didn't. Uh, she, you know, they, she talked about how much she enjoys being a heel and how much she's become more comfortable speaking over time. They spoke about the boob job. You know, they spoke about different things in that respect. Um, I agree with you. I mean, like I said, if it, if it was um, Austin doing the doing the interview, I think it mostly would have been a more, a, a better interview. I mean, like I said, when you listen to the... The Dixie Carter one, you you know that he does his re- research, and it's more you're going to get better questions, and be, you know maybe you don't get better answers, but he's going to go and try to push a little bit. But like I said, you know, yeah, I think it's just interesting to I think it, I just think it's interesting that over the last week and a half, the two mostly two most important women in the industry in a non wrestling capacity in ring, we heard them, you know discuss, you know, you know, get get into talking, you know, talking over the past week on two of the bigger, you know, two of the big wrestling wrestling podcasts, you know. I mean, Dixie's yeah, been on with Jim Ross. I mean, she's done the rounds. But, you know, it is interesting to see, you know, when you watch Impact Wrestling, uh, a picture of, you know, Austin saying, you know, check out the Steve Austin podcast with Dixie Carter this past week. That's always... A little weird when you see somebody who's, you know, known as one of the top five most important people of our time when it comes to wrestling, the WWE, being mentioned at Teenage. You know, um, let's see. That is interesting. That part's interesting, too. You think that, you think that... Irks McMahon? I don't know. Could get him in the hot water with the... I guess not, but... And, you know, because when you go to Impact's website, and maybe, you know, on the team, it absolutely has... A picture of Stone Cold with Dixie Carter. <laughs> you know, and this is the guy who's the most, you know, the, the second biggest star, you know, in the Attitude Era in the last 30 years. You know, so that's that's really interesting. Absolutely. Uh, we got like two, I think we have two more things to talk about before we call it a day. And either if we haven't or we so have. So Corey has two more things. So that means that'll be five more things. Go ahead. Wow. Okay. Let's. <laughs> I can, I can think of five more things if you want to be here for a while, but I was trying to be nice. <laughs> it'll, it'll be like Kane and Rollins. How many more opponents do you want? 
Do you want eight opponents, seven opponents, nine opponents? Anyway, go ahead. All right. Hopefully, topic number one of two. We had uh, ESPN this past week uh, yes. put out the E60 Behind the Current uh, special, talking about the NXT um, product, you know, the, a little bit about the Performance Center, talking about three key uh, people that have been with the product. I mean, it's a year and a half, you know, it's something that was done a year ago. They added little things at the end for updated things. You also had two guys that didn't get mentioned in the special, but you had bonus things with uh, Colin Cassidy and Tyler Breeze. But uh, let, let's get into the E60 piece. Did you think it was a, a, a fluff piece for the WWE? Did you think it was, you know, besides the Bill DeMont thing at the very end saying he's, you know, was let go? What you, how do you think WWE is portrayed? What do you think of what do you think of the piece? So I thought it was maybe a I don't want to say a fluff piece. They didn't get into um, some of the WWE's issues in terms of you know steroids in the past and things like that. Uh, they talked about it a little bit, but just more in passing. Um, that was one thing that stood out to me that they didn't really get into. Um, but it was about the performance center. So that's really what it was about. But, you know, Vince is like, everybody's clean. And then that was it. And then everybody's clean. So that's it. No one does drugs anymore. So that's, that's it. Thanks, Vince. Um, so they could have talked about that a bit more. But just going into these guys' lives and going into what they've, what they've gone through to get to this point, I thought the stories were detailed. I thought they were impactful. I thought they did a good job of relating what the WWE is to the audience that may not know about wrestling at all. I think it's phenomenal that the WWE, as you know, uh, we've discussed before, is on ESPN and in this capacity too, where people are like, okay, I get it. I, you know, I get what wrestling is a little bit more rather than this is stupid and this is for dumb people and that kind of old jargon that we've heard about wrestling and, and, and all that stuff. It was interesting seeing these guys in their lives and what they've done to get to this point. I thought it was really well done. I thought it was tremendous. I, I had to find it because I didn't watch it originally. Um, and I did watch the Tyler Breeze and the Colin Cassidy one. I thought the Colin Cassidy one was kind of him like putting himself forward. I didn't like his at all, but I thought um, Tyler Breeze's was very, very well done too. And I, I enjoyed the whole thing. Now, I think it would be so much more interesting if this was done, if this procedure was being done now with the guys, you know, that, you know, the Kevin Owens, the Finn Balors, the Sami Zayn's, you know, the Kentas, all these guys. But let's take this twofold. Before we get into how, how it humanized, you know, these three guys, do you think if you weren't, if you didn't know in advance, which you, I don't know if you did or not, who they spoke to, would these be the guys that you would have wanted to hear their story, or were there other guys that you would have wanted to hear something about? I mean, would have you rather heard about, you know, Aaron, Adrian Neville, you know, Pac? Would you, were there other people who you would have rather heard something about, or were these the right guys? I mean, I thought these were the right guys. I, I mean, I think, and again, it's not, I mean, we're, you're talking about it from them being over and, and with the fans and, and, and all that stuff. I think part of the thing that makes this all fascinating was, we talked about Corey Graves 
when we first started this podcast, I loved that dude. And uh, I don't know if, and Zach Zimmerman, I believe it was Zach who felt the same way. I, I thought he could talk. I thought he was good in the ring. I thought he had a presence. And it's interesting how we think about things and then how the WWE thinks about things. And they were on board with that. I didn't love Woods. They liked him more. But it's also fascinating why they like some guys, right? So they like Woods because he's a team player. He's a good guy. He can talk in the mic, and he's pretty good in the ring. But he has he's, – he's like a good – almost like in professional sports where a guy's like a good locker room guy. Like he's a good locker room guy who kind of do anything for anybody. So that part's interesting as well. I think these guys were good because they were on the brink, uh, especially with Adam Rose, on the brink of being released. Tyler Breeze on the brink of being released. So I really like that. Colin Cassidy, again, on the brink of being released. I may have liked to see a guy who maybe was released, who maybe didn't make it, and then him talking about why he didn't make it instead of just kind of having the nice stories at the end, you know, uh, essentially. Um, so I-, I thought these were really good guys to have on there. It was really before NXT's complete explosion to what it is now. I think it's an explosion. So it was done before that, but I still think it was done well. And beyond Kevin Owens and these guys, I think bigger picture, you got the point on what they are, what the performance center is, how they do things, how they talk about guys. I mean, Corey, they're in a room and Triple H is at the head of the room and they're talking about the guys like we talk about them on this podcast. He talks about his players in, in a meeting with people staff. You, we watch hard, hard knocks. How do, how do the GMs and the coach talk to their staff about the players? They break the players down. They analyze whether they're any good or not. Should we cut this guy? Does he have this? Does he have that? I mean, it was the same exact way. And so I thought that was really, really fascinating, too. Um, and, you know, the guys that spoke up and, you know, uh, uh, Michael Hayes saying, um, I think it was about who's about Tyler Breeze. I wouldn't go see that guy if I got a free ticket to go see him. Now, because we were talking about Tyler Breeze, or I think he was talking about Adam Rose before he was Adam Rose. He's like, I wouldn't go and see him for free. And it's so that part is really, really fascinating. And it's the things that we talk about on this podcast and guys having charisma and whether guys have the quote unquote it factor. Um, and but then them talking about it and how politics, I'm sure, play a role in it. And they did not get into that. And I think that's something they could have gotten into more, like how politics sometimes play into when a guy comes up on the main roster and when a guy doesn't because it's not just all about oh, he's good, so he should be brought up. Sometimes there's political um, things with that, too. But um, overall, I, I, I really, really enjoyed it, and I, I enjoyed that element of it. I I agree with that. Like I said, I mean, I think the, uh, I think the Corey Graves one was very interesting. Um, I still think Xavier Woods might be on this roster because he's going for his Ph.D., and it's really nice to have be able to say that WWE has a, somebody with a Ph.D. on the roster. It gives him a little more you know, pub where if you bring this guy out to do, you know, be a star in different things, you can say this guy is, we've got really, we've got all these people from all these different backgrounds, you know, in our company. Uh, But again, I think, but I I, I just want to stop you there. But I think that's fascinating too, that 
it it goes beyond just can he perform in the ring. And you can say what you want about Woods. I think he can talk and I think he can work. So I, he has the ability, but I also think, yes, they said that too. This guy, it's about public relations too, and they're a publicly traded company that does a lot of public relations. They have this guy, a black guy, to, to these schools doing the anti-bullying campaign. This guy's got a PhD. He could be like a PR beast, really, essentially. Um, and so, yeah, I agree. I, I think that's definitely an element of of why they did that, of why they, they put him on the main roster. But that part was interesting. We were so different from what they said about Corey Graves, where they felt like this guy could be, oh, I got a fire truck. We got a fire, we got fires. We got uh, thunderstorms. We got all kinds of stuff going on. Um, I so, definitely heard that one. Yes, you did hear that one. So, I, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I think that aspect was interesting, too. Sorry to cut you off there. No problem. Now, to I think the star of the piece, more than, uh, you know, learning a little bit more about Triple H or the creative process, Adam Rose. I think he he jumped off that screen with his, you know, with the idea of what he's gone through being age 35, going through a couple of gimmicks, basically saying that you got to come to something else new or you're basically, you know, gone. And then the family situation. You know, basically the rhetoric that Kevin Owens says, you know, about why he does this is is basically Adam Rose, you know? I mean, he does this for his family, does, you know, for to have a better life. Basically what he said in the... uh, in that segment, a lot of people online have been wondering, would it be too exploitive? And maybe it's the reason why they haven't done it. But if he didn't have a character of some guy who's a, you know, a raver and maybe on some drugs, you don't know what the character, if he was more of like the character he really is in real life, somebody who's dealing with, you know, a kid who has problems and, you know, family, you know, whose family depends on, is it, would that be too exploitive? Would that work, you know, now that we know who he is? I mean, what do you think of, do you think it would be wrong for the WWE to recreate his character as someone who's like a real person and touch on what he's going on, what we saw in this piece? I don't, I think they should stay away from that. I mean, what, what's his gimmick going to be? Hey, I'm Adam Rosen, my kid has all these health issues. I mean, Jesus Christ. I know. I, I think we're good. I I think we're good. I, I don't think they need to. We already have a guy whose gimmick is I'm doing it for my family. So we don't need that again. I, I mean, they could. I don't want to see that, though. I, I think they really should stay away from that. I mean, it's a very sensitive issue with um with his, with his young child and what his young child is going through and the fact he may not live long. You could exploit things in wrestling fine but i think exploiting a child and, and the sick and I, I don't i don't think no i, I don't think so i, I think you should, you should absolutely stay away from that okay like i said i'm saying more of it like being more of a down-to-earth character not the over the top but coming out of it do you think that wwe will push either xavier woods adam rose i know that they didn't make the actual special but Tyler Breeze or Colin Cassidy, do you think now that they may be a little bit more well-known because of the ESPN piece, do you think they get 
you think they'll get more of a push? I mean, do you think that the reason why they have the New Day have the uh, the tag team titles is because this piece was coming out? I mean, what's your thoughts <laughs> on that? Um, the WWE does funny things, so I could see it. Um, I definitely could. Tonight was he on the show? Was he on Raw on Monday? Oh, I don't even know. That uh, was. Uh, no, he was on the week before, I believe. Yeah, so he wasn't even on the show. Um, you know, I don't know. He wasn't even on the show on Monday. Xavier Woods mentioned it kind of as a heel. Watch my E60 special tomorrow on ESPN. Like, it's he's the only one on the show. Um, I think you could see one of these guys getting a push. I think a lot of it depends on how the audience gravitates to, to one of them. You know, if the audience starts to gravitate towards the character because they know all the stuff that he's going through, maybe you could see him get a push and get more over with the fans. I think part of the reason why Adam Rose hasn't gotten over so part of the reasons why he hasn't, you know, gotten more victories is because he hasn't really gotten over with the crowd like they suspected he would. So, you know, I, I mean, that's really where where his issues have been. So maybe this starts to get him a little bit more of a push with the audience, which will ultimately and probably get him a push in terms of uh, matches. Last thing on this before we move on to the final topic of the day. Do you, when you, the next time you see Adam Rose... With his, uh, you know, exotic express, and he's in the ring. I think we all say, I think that his this gimmick hasn't worked, and it's kind of one of those jobber gimmicks at this point. Are you gonna have a harder time? Are you gonna have a different feeling towards him now that you saw this piece? I mean, do you think the fans might? I mean, a guy who you know usually gets booed and stuff. Do you think his reputation? You think the way he's perceived yeah. now will be different? Yeah, you know, it's real. Fa- it's really fascinating because. Now he's a real person. I don't know, Corey. We, yeah, Corey, and that's the thing, right? Like we've talked on the show, like oh, they're gonna release him. He sucks, right? Oh, he's the worst. He's a jobber. He's a hammerhanger. Get rid of him. Put someone on TV that I want to see. Blah blah blah. Um, and you know these guys are real people who have lives and have a lot of stuff going on and a lot of issues. I mean, I felt horrible for Corey Graves. I, I thought, I thought, I thought his story was really tough too. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there. His wife was not unattractive, but, um, his story was really, was really tough, you know, to hear as well. Um, and and I don't know, I I think it could ingratiate him to the audience. I'm speaking for Adam Rose. I think for me, it was fascinating seeing how these guys are people and we don't, you know, with sports, we see it more, you know, we have, we see interviews with the guys um, you know, we, we, we see more of the guy's real personality, but with wrestling, it's such a gimmick that we don't know these guys' real lives at all. To have an in-depth look at what Adam Rose's life is like. I mean, we've never got an in-depth look of John Cena's life, really, except for that stupid reality show. You know, so it's, it's I mean, that part's fascinating, too. Um, so I think it could help the audience. It could help him you know, become the audience, get more into him and ingratiate himself to the audience. Um, it could be a temporary thing or it could be a, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's all about what he does when he comes to the ring or what his gimmick is and whether they like it or not. 
I got you. Uh, all right, last subject of the day, unless Jay has something, which he does, I'll be very entertained. Uh, Owen Hart, one of the uh, members of the Hart family with, you know, Brett, uh, is in the news again. WWE is rumored uh, to be putting out an Owen Hart documentary, DVD, Blu-ray set in the next couple of months. A uh, guy who a lot of people have, you know, were huge fans of. I could say me and you both were. He was great in the ring. Uh, pretty solid as an overall competitor. Unfortunately, with the way that he unfortunately passed away, in uh, the family of Owen Hart, Martha Hart and the family, have been vehemently against the WWE using Owen Hart in any way. And it was interesting, initially came out was that she was okay with it, and then the truth apparently has come out, that Martha is against this documentary coming out, or anything of them using, you know, uh, Owen. Well, I'm going to stop, I'm just going to cut you off real quick there. It was that Martha Hart is not for this. It doesn't specifically, they said that the Hart family was behind this. Now, Martha Hart is saying she is not behind this. I don't know if that specifically means the whole family isn't behind it. So I think that also creates confusion. Um, okay. Um, but I think it's very interesting that if this is come, if this DVD doesn't get stopped by lawyers and other means, what does this mean for Owen Hart in the future? Does it lead to a possible being in the Hall of Fame? Does it lead to, you know, a better relationship? Which I guess, we don't have to even say that because Brett's now back in the fold. But what do you? what's your opinion, if you have one, in regards to Owen Hart, the DVD slash Blu-ray coming out, and how even after all these years, Martha is still so against this, and, you know, how the WWE, you know, think they should handle this coming, going down the road now? I mean... I don't know really where they go. I think that he could still be in the Hall of Fame at some point. I think that's absolutely something that they could do. I don't know that they will that they will do it, but I think it's absolutely something that they could do. Um, you know, this is a family member, and this is his mom, correct? Martha Hart is his mom. Uh, his wife. His wife. Okay. Um, and this is the hurt of someone who is his wife and she's hurting and that grief has not gone away for her understandably so and she's probably still angry and maybe a lot of the other family have said okay we get it and we understand where he's coming from or where we are what what happened and we're going to try to make the best of it maybe she doesn't want to do that you know i don't know what that does for for the whole, you know, for Hall of Fame or whatever. But I do think they need to sit down with someone from the WWE, just like they did with Bruno San Martino and the Ultimate Warrior and others, and have a discussion, you know, with the family, with all the parties involved, uh, about what's going on with Owen Hart, with what they want to do. I'm sure if they sell a DVD much of the proceeds is going to go to the family or so you would think. Mm -hmm. So maybe they strike a deal where proceeds from the DVD go to the family. I mean, 
I feel, I feel like this is a situation that could get itself figured out. And, um, you know, hopefully it does. It'd be great to see Owen Hart in the Hall of Fame next year um, or, or, you know, the year after that, what have you. Um, but I guess we'll kind of see how that all shakes out. Gotcha. And like I said, I think he's a guy who's a glaring omission. I understand that Martha Hart doesn't doesn't want anything to do with WWE, but I do think it's interesting that this DVD slash Blu-ray will be coming out. And I think it's one of those topics that when it does come out, it's going to be interesting to see how the DVD is handled. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect, you know, a Ultimate Warrior treatment, the first DVD came out where they kill him or anything. I mean, I think it's something that they've wanted to do for a while. Um, and I think it's something we should look into when we get a little bit closer to the release of the DVD. And we'll see how this story, you know, continues to track. Uh, before we get out of here, I just want to let people know that the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast is sponsored by Punch.co, Punch Apparel. And if you go to Punch.co and buy a sweatshirt, a t-shirt, or any of their other great products, at checkout, if you put the word SHOOT in the promotion code, as your promotion code, SHOOT, S-H-O-O-T, in capital letters, you'll get 15% off your order at checkout. And another great thing about the company, worldwide free shipping. So once again, the word SHOOT in capital letters, S-H-O-O-T, 15% off your total purchase at checkout. Uh, Jay, unless you have something else you want to talk about, we've reached that portion of the show where you let people know how they could uh, follow us a little bit. Absolutely. Um, you can go to our Facebook page, the Workshoot. Um, our, uh, iTunes is the best way to find us. The Workshoot Wrestling Podcast, just type us in iTunes. Please leave a review. Um, that would be phenomenal. Let us know what you think of the show. We're on Twitter, Corey Paladin 808 and um, the show Twitter is at WorkshootPod, at WorkshootPod. And um, I guess it's, oh, yeah, our website, www.workshoot.podomatic.com. That's WorkshootPodomatic.com. Perfect. And like I said, thank you for all the support that we get every week. And uh, people who do have discussions with us, uh, Jay this past week had a discussion during Raw, uh, with one of our fans, which uh, was kind of entertaining, them going back and forth for a little while during, on Monday. Uh, yeah, no, I, I love to, I love talking with people on Twitter um, at work shoot pod. I'm not on Twitter all the time, honestly, but obviously during raw, during pay per views, yeah, I'm at least on there. Sometimes I don't comment a ton. Sometimes I make a few comments, but. Yeah, I mean, hit, hit me up. Ask us a question that you might be interested in hearing on the show. Um, we can answer that question. We can talk about that subject. We're willing to kind of talk about anything on the show, um, wrestling-related. So, yeah, please bring up topics to us, but at work, shoot pod. And for Corey, at Paladin808. Perfect. Um, and, you know, like, this is the point of the show where we I give a little plug for something. And uh, before we start today, I was on... Pro wrestling, uh, one of the you know, best pro wrestling sites out there for information, pwinsider.com with former guest Mike Johnson. Uh, one of the stories he had on there today was about a new uh, DVD that's coming out from High Spots, which uh, looked kind of interesting. It's called The Ventimentally Speaking with Brian Myers. It's, it looks, it's a conversation with 
Brian Myers, Cole Cabana, Chris Hero, and Tomas Ciampa talking about the developmental system in the WWE, which is something that I think is, might be really worth checking out. It's uh, on highspots.com. It's called Deve Developmentally Speaking with Brian Myers, who was formerly Curtis Hawkins. Hawkins in the WWE, so uh, I would definitely check that out. Uh, it was an interesting trailer that was was up, which I think will get a lot of people to actually give it a chance. But uh, once again, for Jason Brooks, this is Corey Richmond. Thank you, as always. We'll be back next week, hopefully a little bit earlier in the week, talking about uh, another WWE pay-per-view payback, which is coming up next Sunday. But, uh, Jason, the floor is yours. I, I, can't, I can't believe we have to preview another, another pay-per-view. I feel like we just reviewed this one like a week ago. Oh, my gosh, man. On that note, I think we're done here. See ya. Give me what it takes now. Great.